podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, and welcome to another episode of Media Matters for Anfield Index. It was joy at the Emirates, wasn't it, as Liverpool went there with no Salah, no Van Dijk, and it was no problem for the boys in purple as they beat Arsenal 2-0 to progress to the fourth round of the FA Cup. So, Joining me as normal to talk about the game and many other things is the renowned and the respected David Lynch. David, how are we? Yeah, good. Uh, we just mentioned, didn't we, before we came on that we've uh, we've still got an unbeaten record on this pod. So uh, it's going well and, and hopefully can keep it going. So loads to get into after yesterday as well, because I thought it was a lot of positives to take from that, not least the result. Yeah, absolutely. So many. And yeah, it is a, in a good way, it's a strange record because I think... Me, personally, I had a few doubts over yesterday, but why you don't doubt or why you doubt and don't believe in these purples, these reds, whatever you want to call them, who knows? But, I mean, let's get into this game. I mean, what what a game it was. A proper cup tie, I would call it. But a 2-0 victory, an own goal, a late Luis Diaz strike, the old no-look style. And, I mean, it was... it. People say it was a game of two halves and sort of a lazy punditry style, but there's merit to that. I mean... You're right, there were so many positives, but when you sort of now look back and reflect, what were your honest thoughts on the performance? Yeah, I think I think that's right about game of two halves. I thought Arsenal were pretty dominant, weren't they, in that first period? It's, it's actually funny looking back, you know, I watched the highlights on match of the day, I've obviously watched the game as well, and um, I, I kind of thought, you know, it's kind of funny that, that Alisson didn't actually make any unbelievable saves. I think the best save in the match actually comes from Ramsdale, so... Although Arsenal were dominant in that first half, I think it was more that they were they were dominant in terms of winning the ball in midfield. And, and yes, they, they were creating opportunities. But I thought, you know, Liverpool did quite well to actually block these opportunities off and not turn them into really, really high quality chances, which is why mm-hmm. Arsenal's XG wasn't particularly through the roof, you know, and a lot of it came yeah, from yeah. one particular situation, actually. Um, so I thought, you know, even in that first half, even though Liverpool weren't doing as well as they'd hoped in midfield and they weren't threatening up front as a result of that in terms of what the back five were doing they were playing exceptionally well across the entire 90 minutes really so um, you know even there was positives e- even to take from that first half it wasn't a complete disaster actually so um, yeah and then second half you know the manager tweaks things and, and subsequently makes Liverpool better with every sub he makes and I thought second half Liverpool just went from strength to strength and in the end you know on the, on the basis of that if you start from the, the second half at nil-nil that Liverpool emerge you know, deserving winners with a, you know, really, really good performance. And the fact that the first half was the way it was, you know, you get to see so many different sides of Liverpool across that 90 minutes, that grit, determination. But then at the end, the the quality, the the counter-attacking ability, the, 
you know, the, the forwards that finish things off, which, you know, in great contrast to Arsenal's forwards who are struggling at the moment. Um, just, yeah, just a, a brilliant sort of backs to the wall occasionally, but also, you know, fully deserved in the end 2-0 win. And, and, and as I say, so many positives to take from it. Yeah, because the, the narrative would be if you watch the BBC or listen to the BBC commentary, I should say, for large periods, that it was a full backs to the wall performance for 90 minutes. But especially in that second half, it was just a case of whether we would take our opportunities at times. And I know you mentioned sort of the forwards, the the back five that really did stand out. If you had to pick, though, man of the match for you? Yeah, ju- just on the BBC commentary, I thought it was kind of interesting that Alan Shearer said in the first half that, you know, Arsenal should be four or five up. I don't think you've seen many yeah. teams be four or five up from 1.61 XG across a, across the entirety of a match. So I thought that was over-egging slightly how good Arsenal yeah. were in that half, which, you know, again, contributes to some of the, the idea that Liverpool were absolutely up against in the first half. Yes, they were, you know, I thought Arsenal were dominant, but, you know, let, let's not go a, a little too far on that one. And yeah, in terms of man of the match, um, you know, I mentioned in, you know, even in that first half where Liverpool weren't quite at it, is that the defence were doing a really good job. And I thought that the absolute star of that was, was Ibrahima Kanate. Um, you know, to to have no Virgil Van Dijk in that team, I think sometimes you can you can fall into the trap of thinking that Van Dijk. He, I mean, he's unbelievable, isn't he? One of the best centre halves to have ever played the game. But you can fall into the trap of thinking that he makes it look too easy for his partner, and he, you know, to be his partner is a, a straightforward task. But I think Canate showed today that he, you know he's fully deserving of playing alongside someone like Virgil because in his absence, completely stepped up. Some of those, that block in particular in the first half yeah. where he comes from absolutely nowhere. I think it's Rice Nelson tries to get the shot away. That That's just ridiculous anticipation. He sees it coming from a mile off, reads the game brilliantly, and then to have the, the ability to get there with his, his telescopic leg just, yeah, just summed up his performance in general. And he did, what was great about it was that he did a little bit of everything in, in the game, you know, the aerial challenges, the, the clearances, interceptions. He was, you know, he clocked up nice numbers in every statistic. It was really just an, an all round sort of perfect performance from a centre half. So he was my man of the match, but there were, you know, a couple of other contenders in there as well, to be fair, because I thought a lot of other players played well as well. Yeah, no doubt. So I love that Jurgen quote after the game where he, he was in good form in the press conference saying that literally we, we and Ibu spoke and he said, look left, look right, who should lean the line today? Me. Yeah, that's right type of thing. And that's what exactly what he did at the Emirates. And almost jump into the other end of the pitch because, I mean, there's so many positives, which is great to go through. Did this feel like further affirmation that the real Luis Diaz is back, the one we want to see? hundred percent. I mean, we mentioned after the last game, didn't we, that we felt like it could be a, a sort of turning point for him. I think we've seen signs over the last couple of weeks now, now that he's getting back to his best. Um, and yeah, to, to the confidence with which he takes that goal, you know, you're not doing that unless you feel like you're back into form. Um, so yeah, really hugely encouraging to, to, to see him, to see him hit that in that way. And, it's kind of hard, isn't it? You know, I think is it Jürgen Klopp says that form is kind of like a flower. You can't, you've got to sort of nurture it and look after it. And it's, it's difficult to know how things are going to go in terms of that. I mean, you can't predict, you know, the, the effect that outside factors have on, on, on form in terms of, you know, what's the, 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 the knee injury that he's had, how much of an effect did that have? The, 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 the situation with his father, again, how much is that affecting you on the field? It's really, really hard to sort of judge that from the outside. But the only thing we do know is over these last couple of games, he's starting to to look like he's back to his best, which is which is massive, particularly with Mohamed Salah being away. I think that Liverpool, you know, they need all the forwards firing in his absence, and to get an informed Luis Diaz back, 
um, you know, particularly with people trying to say as well early in the season that, oh, he's had those knee injuries, he's lost a yard. I think that's just, it was just total nonsense even at the time. He just wasn't playing particularly well and now he is and, and you see how, you know, what a good player he is and, and, and the sort of impact he can have for Liverpool. So, yeah, I mean, literally Diaz, as you say, Canate, unbelievable yesterday. And I did want to go to something that you mentioned about Jürgen especially and the subs. It just seemed like you said with every sub, we got better. I mean, he got... It seemed like, didn't it? He got all the big calls right around the subs on that game. Yeah, I mean, even at the, the, the halftime change to bring Harvey Elliott back into midfield and push Gakpo forward, I thought changed things in Liverpool's favour. I thought that that instantly improved them in terms of, you know, I, I think Elliott is a much more natural midfielder. I think, you know, you can't take too much away from that yesterday in terms of, oh, that was his audition to be the Mohamed Salah replacement yeah. and it didn't maybe go particularly well, but... Because of Gakpo's struggle in midfield, Liverpool weren't getting a lot of ball to Elliot in the areas where he would be dangerous. So I think it was just, it wasn't a recognition of, of maybe Elliot playing poorly or, or struggling to, to be Mohamed Salah. I think it was more that Gakpo as a midfielder, he wasn't involved in a lot of duels. I think he ends the game with three duels that he was involved with, which I think underlines that he's, he's not that combative type. I think if you're going to do that with Gakpo there, it needs to maybe be in home games where Liverpool are going to be already yeah. a little bit more dominant in possession, maybe not Arsenal away. So, you know, making that tweak at halftime, I thought changed things. And then obviously you bring Jota and Gravenberg on and I thought both played really well. Well, Gravenberg, we saw, you know, he's been poor really, hasn't he, in some cameos we've seen recently, but I thought we saw all the positives from him in terms of his ability to break the lines and, and, and get away from players. Really, really impressive. And Jota just did what Jota does in terms of taking the ball in between the lines. Really, really dangerous. Uh, you know, he, he gets in positions to get shots away and, and, and set others up and he obviously gets an assist. And then the, the, the other double substitution was was the really, really brave one was to bring Bobby Clark yeah. and, and Connor Bradley on and, and that absolutely worked again. I thought Liverpool went up again a level with those two on the, just the, the fresh legs and uh, and obviously Bradley down that side shutting down Martinelli a couple of times which is you know he, he's been the one hasn't he out of maybe the, all the Quanta uh, aside of course out of the, what, the young ones who were hoping to make that step up who's maybe shown the most when given the opportunities and I think you know there's a real chance for Bradley to, to play a few more games I think particularly on the basis of that cameo yesterday I thought he was brilliant but as I say all those subs made a change and the tactical tweak so I thought it was kind of you know, second half in particular, Arsenal in missing those first half chances, they, they let Liverpool off the hook and they also allowed Jurgen Klopp to, to sort of school Arteta in the second half. That, you know, so for, for two reasons really that was painful for Arsenal to have missed those first half chances because it, it, it gave Liverpool a way back into the game and that's because they've got a manager who is, you know, he's not just better than Arteta, he's better than most managers in world football in terms of changing things. Yeah, it did feel like a Jurgen Klopp masterclass yesterday, especially like you say the subs and yeah, the uh, the kids came on and maybe my favourite moment of the game aside from Darwin and Canate robbing that poor fella's hat near the end was probably Bobby Clark doing a a particular type of foul which I won't say on the pod, but a Fernandinho special I think as they call it in some parts. So yeah, it was good to see almost the kids take the next step in that regard for them as well. And probably the the only sort of thing that look back on it and again it almost feels like a bit of a reoccurring theme and we shouldn't dwell on these sort of negatives or a negative singular at all but Darwin again just wasteful at times was that the only thing you'd sort of question mark against the team realistically yesterday? 
Yeah, I mean, there's the one where it drops through in the box. He really should be hitting the target with that. I think that's kind of disappointing. But he, he goes close with one, doesn't he, when he cuts in off the left? And that's a, a really good effort. And, you know, I, I think my thing is with Darwin is that the frustration with him missing chances, and, and he only misses that one. And again, it's not a, a guarantee that if he gets that on target, it's going in because there's a crowd of players in front of him. And I think he's trying to kind of pick out the top corner rather than just shooting it straight at the, straight at the target sort of thing. Um, I think the frustration with him missing chances or maybe being wasteful in forward areas, that only really, for me, comes to the fore when he's not contributing overall. And I actually think, you know, he he did last night, you know, in terms of getting Liverpool up the pitch, particularly when he moved to that left-hand side in the second half, he helped get Liverpool up the pitch. He was only caught offside once and he and he got onto a lot of balls in behind. So, you know, he's right. getting criticism for, for getting caught, you know, rightly getting criticism for being caught offside a lot this season, but he actually managed to 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 run the line really, really well yesterday. Um, and, and also at the end of the game, there's a couple of defensive headers he wins that are absolutely yeah. vital. Um, so, you know, if he's contributing all around like that, and it, it, you know, the, the missing chances for me is not a humongous issue as long as he's not missing five big chances or anything like that. Um, you know, if he's doing things that are a net positive for Liverpool's performance, the goals can come from elsewhere. And I also think, you know, hopefully he can, you know, we, we want the goals to come, of course. And I think, you know, he's been unlucky with a couple of chances recently as well. Um, you know, I, I, I think against Newcastle in particular, a couple of point blank saves that he just, yeah. he, any other striker, they just seem to go in. Um, so, yeah, like I say, I, I, I don't get too down on Darwin. I, I think when he's when he's making a contribution to the winner, I, I think he absolutely did that yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, those defensive headers, it just seemed that last five minutes was Arsenal corner, Nunes had it away type of thing for a good period. So he was impactful in both boxes that way, definitely. And I suppose the, the player in focus that we always take is another forward, Diogo Jota. And maybe it's just perfect timing, but we are there's a sense of relief now he's back. And I mean, he's, he's joint or his second scorer, I should say, with nine. He's also started to chip in with assists as well, like wins the penalty uh, against Newcastle that way. So he's having an impact. How would you assess his performances overall this season so far? Yeah, well, I, I think I've said before that I think he's, he's Liverpool's best non-Mohamed Salah forward. Um, and, and I think he's absolutely done well to, to show that since coming back from injury because he has a bit of a layoff there and it's sometimes tough to get back in your rhythm, but he's just been absolutely on it from day one. Um, so, you know, he, he's been brilliant this season. It, it, the only issue has been in terms of, you know, can you keep him on the pitch? And you just hope, it, you know, if he can stay fit between now and the end of the season, he's going to have a massive say on what Liverpool do in terms of winning trophies. Yeah. Because as I say, I think he's he's only just behind Salah in terms of quality and, and, and goal scoring. But he also, he, he makes goals, doesn't he? I think his, his involvement in build-up play, you see that instantly. Liverpool get better at getting the ball up the pitch and keeping it there when he comes onto the field yesterday. So he's got absolutely everything you want from a Jurgen Klopp forward. The, the pressing as well, he knows that really well. Um, so, yeah, he, he's absolutely vital. He shows that again. And I think, you know, he's clearly going to be in the starting 11, isn't he, against Fulham? Um, and I think a home game there where Liverpool dominate possession and he can get in and around the box, um, you know, wouldn't be shocked to, to see him get two or three goals because it, he, he's clear, clearly in great form at the minute. And if Liverpool are as dominant as they want to be and he gets chances, he tends to put them away. Yeah, I mean, he appears, like you said, so important, especially with Salah away at the moment. I mean... It's probably a two-part question because sometimes I almost feel Jota can be sort of guilty or not guilty, probably uh, 
he suffers due to his versatility, let's put it that way, because he can go anywhere across the front line. So I suppose the two-part question is, without Salah, where do you think his best position is in that Liverpool front line this season? And if Salah was back, where would you put him sort of left or middle? Yeah, I, th- I think with Salah away, I kind of wouldn't mind seeing a little run of him at centre-forward maybe, just on the basis that he's, he, he, you know, he's a reliable finisher. And I think, you know, getting someone in the centre of the box who is that, you know, you, you don't quite get that from Darwin at the moment. You, you need those goals to come. And I think, you know, you want the chance, if you're going to get a couple of chances in the match, you want them to fall to Diogo. And that is less likely to happen maybe when he's on that left wing. Um, you know, so I, I think in the absence of Salah, I maybe do want to see him central. But I think when Salah's back, you know, that that takes a bit of the the the, the sort of onus off him a little bit. And then, you know, maybe it's a battle for, for Jota, you know, because of what Darwin brings in terms of overall yeah. and the threat he brings. I think, you know, do, do you look then at, at, at Jota? Jota, Darwin uh, and Salah front three but, it, but it's a difficult one because it's very much horses for courses and again I think we've spoken about this on this pod that I, I always think that Diaz is maybe a better option on the left wing yeah. in away games because he offers that ability to get the ball up the pitch whereas I think Jota is someone who will pick pockets in front of the defence and take the ball there but he's not someone who maybe carries it long distances in the way that Diaz is he's someone who wants to pick it up there turn and he's in at the defence straight away um, so they're very different types of players, and and again, when you if you're playing around teams' boxes, which they tend to do at Anfield, Jota's very you know quite suited to that because again, he's seeing the ball in areas that he wants to rather than getting it in a left midfield position almost, and that and having to do all the work to get it up the pitch. So you know, Liverpool have got versatility in those options, haven't they? And, and Jota's a really good example of that in terms of you know you could name all types of different starting lineups in, in, in front threes particularly with Salah away now it's sort of a, a toss up what the manager's going to do but that that is a good thing and I think actually in, in terms of talking about that versatility that's one of the big reasons why Liverpool are, are doing so well in terms of changing things off the bench I think because yeah. you know they've got such different types of players that they throw on it always is given a new challenge every time you put a sub on and, and Jota's is a, a massive part of that really yeah, and he, even yesterday, it looked really good when it was Jota in the middle, Darwin on the left, and Luis Diaz went out to the right as well for a bit. That was, you know, we looked really threatening, sort of the pace merchants on either side of him as well. So, yeah, let's, we just need, uh, we just need, well, we need all of them to stay fit, but Jota especially at the moment. And before anyone's screaming, ladies and gents, I promise we will get to transfer updates, which is our next section. I know everyone's desperate to sort of hear updates. I mean, at the moment, David, it's all about almost Liverpool, the loan arrangers, aren't they? It seems loans in, loans out. That's the the bulk of the business. And naturally, it was something that Jurgen Klopp was asked about at the last press conference. And the focus at the end was on Reese Williams and Nat Phillips returning and what that meant, impact that way. I mean, the suggestion was if we picked it upright, that Nat Summers staying as insurance, Reese Williams will have to see. Is that sort of the, a fair summary of that, would you say? Yeah, so Reese Williams definitely they're, they're actively looking for a low move for him now. Um, you know, he's at that point in his career where he needs it. It's unfortunate it didn't work out for him at Aberdeen. I'm kind of surprised by that as well. You know, you've seen him in the Liverpool first team. He, he you know, okay, he's maybe not quite that level, but he's certainly a player who I thought would would go to the Scottish League and and, and do pretty yeah. well. So I'm I'm surprised he didn't. Um, so hopefully Liverpool can find him a low move where he he will play and he'll show what he's all about. 
because uh, I think there is a good player there, maybe not for Liverpool in the long term, but I think for someone at some, you know, at some point in the the, the, the football pyramid, I think there's a definitely a professional career for him there. So I'm, I'm hoping he finds a decent loan move. And Nat Phillips is a different one. Obviously, Liverpool, they don't need to loan him now because he's not in that developmental stage of his career. It's not about getting minutes into him, I think. That certainly with Nat at the moment, I've written a piece on this, is that they're considering keeping him. That What will basically happen now is we'll, we'll get towards the end of January before any decisions taken on that. I, I think he's worth having around as insurance, particularly if you're going to go on four fronts. He, he, he doesn't need he doesn't need the loan, as I say, in terms of, of learning anything. He's, he's, he's old enough now. And I think, you know, particularly at the moment while Liverpool are so reliant on Joe Gomez filling in at left and right back and, you know, they, they look a little thin there. I think keeping Nat Phillips around would, would be very sensible until the, the left-back options are strengthened back up and, and, and maybe just till the end of the season fully because you, you just don't know what's around the corner in terms of injuries and even if he has to play one FA Cup game, it might be worth keeping him around to protect some of your centre-half options. And we know... Okay, and again, I know he's not Liverpool level maybe in the long term, but if he was to come in for one game, you know, a home game at Anfield yeah. where you expect to be dominant, you wouldn't be overly worried that he's going to drop a clangor. You know, he's never really let Liverpool down at all. And, and Jurgen Klopp certainly knows how to set the team up to protect his weaknesses, which is obviously his, his lack of pace. So, um, yeah, I, I personally wouldn't, wouldn't be against keeping him around for the remainder of the season, but I don't think Liverpool are going to be reliant on him. I know, you know, when I, when I wrote the piece in the news piece saying that they're considering keeping him, it was kind of a bit of uproar about, well, oh, well, we're, we're in a title challenge. What we, yeah. I mean, if he stayed around, he, he, he won't play, but, I, but I still think it's worth having that insurance policy as you, as you worded it. Um, because, you know, you, you never know what's around the corner. True. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think you're right because, it's transfer time, so obviously people are looking for the big names, the big moves. But whilst it's going so well, especially like I think you mentioned it a few times on the pod, the one thing you do not want to disrupt at all is the progress of Jarrell Kwanzaa, which is obviously, you know, went up another level, it felt like yesterday. So, yeah, insurance, in my words, wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. And another sort of topic of loans here, Calvin Ramsey was mentioned by Ryan Lowe, the Preston manager, that... Liverpool potentially, you know, and I'm paraphrasing here, looking at that option. Anything on that? Have you heard anything at all around Calvin Ramsey? Yeah, I think it's just one for the, the clubs are kind of, kind of talking about at the moment. If there's no prospect that Ramsey's going to feature particularly heavily in the the second half of the season, or his injuries have been too much to sort of put him in the manager's plans, then then Liverpool will will just recall him because there's there's no point in being there if he's not going to play. That's a discussion that that's kind of ongoing at the moment. Um, you know, I know he's he's he struggled, hasn't he, with injuries since he's been there, and it hasn't quite worked out. Um, it, it, if he can get over that in in the next few weeks and, and and show that he can be a big part of the Preston team in training or whatever, then he then it, it, you know it's absolutely possible that he will stay. But I think it's that's a discussion over the remainder of the month, really, and, and seeing how he recovers and and, and what he's looking like fitness wise, because. You know, I think Preston have liked him. I don't think there's any doubts over the quality that he's got, but it's just it is the, the injuries have sort of wrecked that loan spell a little bit, haven't they? I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN 
make sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, and they've got that relationship with Preston because obviously Van der Berg went there the other season as well. And yeah, it just feels, especially with Connor Bradley now coming into the picture and especially yesterday season his chance, Ramsey just needs to get game time somewhere, doesn't he? And show what he can do, get that fitness back. And speaking of loans, the one that's probably, I know you've written about this, dominated the news this morning. We've got an update for Fabio Carvalho. So for those that haven't heard it, I think is it another championship loan it's looking likely as? Yeah, so so nothing signed at the moment. Um, you know, it's it's not it's not done right now as uh, as I'm speaking on this podcast. But it, it, it's Hull, uh, sorry, are, are very much the front runners to to get him on loan for the second half of the season. I mean, there was a, quite a lot of other clubs that had expressed an interest. You know, Leicester, Wolves, it, maybe even Fulham as well, who, who would maybe want him back there on loan. But I think at Hull, there's a there's a guarantee there. Liverpool have got good relations with them around the Tyler Morton loan. Yeah. Uh, they know that there were guarantees that he will get game time. So at the moment that is looking like the front runner and and, and I think that would be a good move for him. As I say, you know, Morton's done really well there and and, and you've got a coach in Liam Rosini who's not scared to use talented young players as well. Yeah. And and I think going back to the championship and, and taking that little step down again might be good for Carvalho. He's he's been dominant in that league before. He's looked really, really good. So um, I think going back there and, and getting a bit more confidence now will be will be really good for him. So, as I say, not not signed off at the moment, but it's 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 heading that way, and and I think that will be a, a positive move for him. Yeah, especially I mean they're literally one point off the playoffs in the championships. That's a brilliant sign, and I think the whole sort of fans are saying that Liam Delap is also injured. So, like you say, guaranteed game time. It just seems a win win that move all round if it does come off in that regard and. I know it's not what people want to hear, David, but when we look at where we are in the league, I mean, I'm trying to not be dramatic, but the quad is on still technically at this <laughs> stage and there's players coming back. I mean, we've seen the positive sort of this social media from the, the club's website and different things that Tiago, Robbo, even Costa seems to be back doing work now. We're seeing we Bajsetic go into training. I mean... That's the that feels the real likelihood, doesn't it? That the club are just trying to get those players back. So if nothing changes in that regard, then we're not expecting any sort of incomings, outcomes. It's just about getting those players back on the pitch, surely as quickly as possible. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, th- this is the thing. If you get even Thiago and, and Robertson back quite soon, then you know I, I'm reluctant to use the phrase like new signings because everybody hates that. But you know, very much so. Particularly in Thiago's case, he hasn't kicked a ball, and he and he's a world class yeah, footballer. Yeah. Um, you know, if you can get him back for the second half of the season, what you know, could you sign anyone who's as good as that for the second half of the season? Would anyone of that quality level who's already adapted to the tactics and is ready yeah. to go? Would they be available? I'm not so sure. So. I think yeah, getting those two back is a is a major major boost to the squad, and and they don't seem too far away. I think Robbo maybe end of this month, and and Thiago, 
you know, should the, the, in theory be back in training at some point this month. You know, I'm sure that will happen sort of out of the blue, but he, he, by all accounts, he's, he's quite close. So that's really exciting because I think that that provides a, a major boost to Jurgen Klopp's options. And I just, you know, in terms of, I know people always want signings and, and, and like as I've said before, I, I always like Liverpool to strengthen if they can, but I, I struggle looking at the squad at the moment to see where that would be. Um, you know, particularly if you get Thiago and Robertson back, I think, You've not got any huge issues that that need solving before the summer when Thiago will leave on a on a free transfer and Joel Matip's situation will you know because you know even with Joel Matip it's like you know, you know could Liverpool get someone in and and get that replacement early will they need a replacement if Jarrell Quanta carries on like this I, I don't I don't know you know what it, it will certainly be having an impact in terms of what they're thinking about what the summer looks like because yeah. it would be madness to block his development he's brilliant. Um, and, and, and to suddenly pull him out of the, you know, being one of those four centre halves. I think you've got a, co- a conversation to have about whether Joe Gomez should be the backup right back full time or anything like that. But I think that can all wait till the summer for me. I, d- I just don't look at any area and think there's an absolute desperate need for Liverpool to solve that issue. And, and, and that's being borne out by the, the results, by the way, you know, and the performances that, that, right. and if you add Thiago and Robertson back into that mix, then, then Liverpool look very, very strong to me for the second half of the season. It's, and like you said, it's so hard to predict because we know this summer just gone, all the Torwins, they're looking for that young one who can play left side on the left and centre-back, the famous hybrid, as everyone wants to call it. But now Kwanzaa might just have changed that thinking completely. You don't know if it is just going to be a straight centre-back, a hybrid, a full-back, anything like that. It just has changed the picture. So like you said, no one's going to want to disrupt his progression in any way at all. And it will be interesting to see as well with this coming week. I mean, another massive game before the break, a Carabao Cup semi-final first leg at Anfield under the lights. I mean, massive. Team-wise, I suppose the first thing people are going to ask if we can get an update on, are we know, are we expecting Virgil back for this one? Is that the hope and expectation? Yeah, I think with illness, it, it, it's kind of the case that, that you know, yeah, it, it, as Jurgen Klopp said, he, he didn't look too great yesterday. But I think that, yeah, the, the, the hope and expectation is that he'll be feeling better today and then back into training on Tuesday and then should be available. And I mean, he's pretty robust anyway, so I'm sure he'll be absolutely fine by Wednesday. That That's the the expectation is that he will be back in, in, in straight into the starting lineup. yeah. Because there is a, a few, and I, I know he's trying to sort of, unpick a little bit of the lineup because we know as we both said we think it's going to be the strongest possible it's a semi-final you know over anything it's, it's a big game and there's going to be no gambles you'd think probably taken with Van Dyke. I suppose the only question would be then I mean Paul would say Canate but we know what Ibu's had with his injuries and his muscle strain so if Van Dyke is fit are you seeing it's an easy decision with Canate there as well or do you think they would risk the two in a week or in quite a short period I think they have to with Canate. I mean, look, he, he, he's yes, he is injury prone, and he's he's had he's had problems with picking up muscle in, issues in the past, and you know you do want to protect him in some senses, but equally you can't have a player on your books who is is that good as a centre half and not be able to play two games in a week. It's it's not feasible. I mean, he missed some games over Christmas, not through injury, but through. Be having his minutes managed, you know, he doesn't play the Burnley game, does he? And he, he doesn't play in the League Cup game, for example, that Virgil plays in. Um, so he's already being protected and managed through. And the idea that he can't play back-to-back games for a team who it usually would be in the Champions League where you'd be going Saturday, Wednesday or whatever, you know, he should be able to do this. So 
Um, you know, th- right. there shouldn't be nervousness around that, particularly when, as I say, his minutes have been managed. So for me, Canate absolutely has to start. And, and, and you know, if, if we're in a position where we're saying we can't, we can't start him Sunday and then Wednesday, then there, there has to be a conversation about selling him because for me, that that is not. That's not right that a Liverpool player can be on that sort of. You know, he's so he's so important in terms of the the building of the squad. He's a he's Virgil's first choice centre centre half partner, and yet people are saying yeah, that the, yeah. he can't play back to back games. That that seems madness to me, and I, I don't think it's rooted in reality. Either. Yes, he has had those muscle inch issues in the past, but you know, Liverpool can get him through periods like this. I, I've no doubt about it. Yeah, and there is a there's a. Big gap, isn't there? A good 10, 11 day gap after yeah. this as well. So, yeah, there's that in his favour. And I suppose the other one that will, and maybe yesterday's just reshaped it for people, because I know we've said before it seemed like Harvey Elliott on the right side to replace Mo Salah while he's away seemed natural. But, it, and again, probably with the team, it didn't quite go perfectly yesterday. The forward line for this game, how are you seeing that? Because people are probably going to unpick this a bit differently, I think. Yeah, I, I'd kind of like to see Harvey given another go there, to be honest, because like I say, I think it didn't work out for various reasons at Arsenal, but I still think he's a really good fit to play there. Um, and also because I think in terms of that right-sided eight in midfield, which which Elliot would be in contention for with Soberslai obviously going to be missing this game, the fact that Ryan Gravenberg only comes on as a substitute yesterday perhaps suggests to me he's going to operate in that role and obviously you're going to keep Curtis on that left-hand side as well and McAllister. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, Elliot for me is the one I would kind of like to see on that right-hand side and then maybe Jota and, and, and Darwin as the other two um, would, would, would be my pick for the front three. And Because, I, yeah, I think Elliot is a good fit for that role and, and Klopp, it was kind of telling, I thought, that he mentioned him a lot in the build-up to yesterday when he was talking about replacing Mo. He talked a lot about Harvey Elliott, so I think in his mind he maybe sees him as the as the go to replacement. Could be completely wrong, and he changes it up, but we'll we'll have to see. But but for me, I'd like to see Elliott there again. Yeah, I I agree, and I think the good thing is, especially after yesterday, they still we'll still be looking and thinking there's a good option or couple of options to come on from the bench and change it that way completely as well. So yeah, it feels a big game, and hopefully Liverpool are going into this small break you know, taking a lead to Craven Cottage in that second leg as well. So we come to the final part, which is the the multiple questions from the viewers that come in. And I've picked a few because naturally there's the, the full swabbing around the, the transfer questions, which we kind of covered already. But a few good ones, I thought, came in. There's an interesting one that sort of struck me and I thought it was a good question. There's no real talk or no real mention. It seems to have gone a bit quiet around the renewals for the ones who were getting into that sort of key year left. And they're the big players, let's be honest, David, Mo, Virgil and Trent. Are we calm still about those or just waiting for developments more than anything? Yeah, these things kind of around renewals, they just happen very, very quickly. I mean, this stuff is is buzzing around in the background constantly. I mean, with with Salah, it's kind of not a, a big one at the moment because I think everyone was... You know, the decision over that will maybe be something that is made in the summer in terms of what is the interest that comes in and, and does he want to commit to his, you know, one of his final contracts to Liverpool? Can Liverpool hit the sort of numbers he wants when there is going to be some element of decline surely starts at some point soon? So that is a tough negotiation. That's one, you know, I'd, I'd be surprised if that gets resolved up, you know, before the summer in terms of what happens yeah. with his future. And that may be even one that pushes into the final year of his contract, if indeed he does stay. And I do think, by the way, 
the chances of him sticking around and not maybe going to Saudi Arabia at the moment have, have massively risen with the fact that yeah. nobody seems to be enjoying themselves out there. Um, you know, you've got Firmino in the situation. He is looking likely to to maybe leave Al Ali this this in this window. Same with Jordan Henderson. They're not having a good time out there. And I know it's different for him as an Arab player and the the the, the status he would can be conferred with over there. But I I still think it just doesn't look a particularly attractive project to someone who is still operating at the peak of the powers in the Premier League and, and still one of the best players there to to maybe go at this point in his career. So I think that that strengthens Liverpool's hand a little bit in terms of that one. So really interested to see how that you know pans out. But I think that's one that's going to wait till the summer. Trent is maybe more the the urgent one out of those in terms of again, I think, you know, that that will be ongoing at the moment and, and talks will be happening there. But again, you know, it's his boy or club. I doubt Liverpool are really taking the mick with what they're offering, and uh, you know, I, I think it's 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 just one that I'm not currently concerned about because I just feel like there's a real desire on all sides to 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 get that done. You know, things can maybe change or whatever, but I think you know it, it's not one that's being pushed with massive urgency, and and I think we will just see it come out of nowhere in terms of a development on that, and that is one we could maybe actually see before the end of the season. Um, you know, unlike the the Salah one, I think is slightly different, but I think Trent. It could just come out of the blue between now and the end of the season, but not nothing. I haven't heard anything that sort of says it's really, really close or anything like that at the moment. But we'll, you know, let's keep our ears to the ground and and see what happens with that one. Yeah, it, it's, and I know you said before, almost it might be sort of past January once this period's gone that developments will accelerate, and that's probably two of the the next bit because Christian Fork tweeted didn't he about Jörg Schmacker and ran his story about that Liverpool may well look to increase, renew, however you want to put it, with Jörg Schmacker, what looked like an impending retirement might not happen. Any news or any update you've heard around that at all? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not quite sure about that one, to be honest, because I, 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 the latest I sort of heard is that I, I feel like a, coming to, towards the summer and a, a sort of, you know, an amicable, amicable split at that point would, would not be a huge surprise. I think Liverpool will be looking for a new sporting director in the summer. I'd be kind of surprised if they're not... Um, you know, York Schmacker was was dragged out of retirement to do this job anyway. So the idea that he's going to push on and renew, even though he did a you know a good job over the window, I thought, um, yeah, I, I would be I would be massively surprised about that one. I haven't heard anything that makes me think that that's going to be the case. Yeah, it it does seem a bit strange. Is is in there? And I never want to be obviously be disparaging about anyone in the media, but it's the only report. It's not like there's been sort of corroboration with that either at all. That's probably the one to look out for. Yeah, that's it. And I, I just, like I say, nothing I've heard on my side of things suggests that that's going to be the case. And um, as I say, I think a, a split ahead of the summer would probably be the best for everyone. And then Liverpool can look for a sporting director who's maybe a little bit more of a, a long-term appointment. Yeah, which would fit with the the recent-ish one with Will Spearman and everything that's going on. So yeah, definitely a, a watching brief on that one. And the final question, I thought this was a good one as well, because Liverpool have recalled Owen Beck from his spell at Dundee. So they got left back. Bizarrely couldn't play yesterday because of the suspension through the, the Scottish Cup that way. I don't think anyone saw that coming particularly. But with him returning, David, do you think that could mean there's any other youngsters that we maybe haven't mentioned could be departing Anfield for a regular first-team football or short, short-term loan? 
Yeah, so I think I think Luke Chambers is a is a good candidate for that. Obviously, with him being a left back, I think he's you know it, it, he's looked okay in some of his Europa League outings, but he's he's behind Owen Beck in terms of his development at this moment in time. He he needs that first team loan next to to get a little bit more experience. I know he did quite well at Kilmarnock, but probably needs yeah, a, yeah. another loan where he can really kick on and and and, and, and you know a bit more. Senior football really will, will will hopefully take him to the next level, and the fact that Owen Beck plays in his position, and you've got Robertson on his way back soon, and yeah, I think I think the competition there is it, it's a good opportunity for for Chambers. And I spoke to someone at the club quite recently actually about the difference that makes in terms of them going out and and, and playing that first team football, and they think that you know. The, with the injuries that Liverpool have at left back and Joe Gomez being the only senior option, the obvious thing to do would have been to allow Chambers to step up because he's been around the first team at the moment. But they clearly think he's just slightly short of that level right now in, in this in this moment and needs needs a little bit of time away. So Chambers is one I would keep an eye on for for sort of departing on a on a loan before between now and, and the end of the window, definitely. It's weird because there's been quite a lot of criticism, hasn't there, with Liverpool's loan system that it's not worked. But it kind of does get ignored that, as you said, Tyler Morton's done well at Hull, Seth van der Berg seems to be going well at Mainz. And sometimes I, I believe it's a strength as well. If it doesn't work out, they seem quite happy in January to go, no, it's not working out. We're going to do everything to cut this and get them somewhere. I mean, that is a strength in itself, isn't it? It's not as bad as people are probably making out or sensationalising at the moment. Yeah, and it's it's hard as well when you you talk to clubs about taking your players on loan because they will promise the earth in terms of yeah we'll absolutely use this player and then maybe they make a, a bit of a, a poor start to the season and it's like right let's drag the kids out of the team immediately throw the experienced lads in so you know you, you can't always judge that you need you know strong managers who are always going to have faith in your players and they don't always exist even if they make you know they promise you the world beforehand so it's 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 difficult sometimes I think that's one of the positives with with Carvalho going on loan to Hull is that Liverpool already have that guarantee. They know that they've got a manager there who's going to treat the players well and, and will use them. Um, so it is, it's it's really difficult to judge. And, and as you say, I think one of the positives is is that as soon as something isn't working out, they, they, they pull them out and try and get them on, onto a loan that will be good for the development because it's got to work for all three parties, which is both clubs and, of course, the player in terms of the development. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tough one to judge a lot of the time, but... Yeah, when it, when it's not working out, they get them out and they try and get them somewhere that will 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 actually improve them and, and and help them sort of develop in their careers. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, as you said, I know people want transfers and players in and all that type of thing, but the focus is on loan and people. While the Reds are top of the league, into the fourth round, the Carabao Cup semi hopefully headed towards Dublin. We're not being dramatic, but the quad is still on. Good stuff. And ladies and gents, that was another Media Matters for Anfield Index. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports 
Social Podcast Network.